Creative Zombie Studios presents the Subjective Comedy Podcast with Brad Scott. Brad Scott is a mediocre comedian from Indianapolis. This is his show. If you don't think it's funny, remember, comedy is subjective. Please don't call my phone again. Leave me alone. Run silent my lungs again. I'm in my zone. Back up on the road again. My money long. I'm trying to rock a show again. I'm in my zone. Shout out to V Sunny for providing the new subjective comedy intro song. Follow her on social media at I am V Sunny and check out her album Lover Girl. It's available now on all platforms. All right, on this week's episode, Mark is out, but we have brought in a special guest, Mo Alexander, to join the show. We're going to be talking about comedy is back. That's right. Comedy is back. I went to Helium. It made me sad. We're going to get the Tennessee perspective on comedy being back. We're going to talk about NASCAR because it was a noose, then it wasn't a noose, then it was a noose. Does it really matter? Does it mean the racism is gone? No. All that and more, Subjective Comedy starts right now. Dan, who's bringing the show to us? All right, as always, today's Subjective Comedy podcast is brought to you by DIY Jokers. DIY Jokers is a comedy collective started by comedians Brad Scott, Brent Terhune, and Dave Landau. Pick up official shirts and hoodies at teespring.com slash stores slash DIY Jokers. DIY Jokers, they don't know much, but they know comedy. And also by Creative Zombie Studios, Indianapolis' elite podcast studio that produces subjective comedy, along with an amazing lineup of other shows like Shift Drink, Shadow Nation, and the hilarious cult cinema Cavalcade. Check them out wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Welcome, fellas. How is everyone doing? Dan, what are you drinking? All right. I'm on the Sunlight Cream Ale beer, because you know I like to stay local on my beer. This week I switched it up for the whiskey. Uh, I'm going with Indiana Whiskey Company out of South Bend, going with their Confessions of a Chocoholic, which I was not optimistic about when they told me about it, and then they had me try some, and I shut my stupid mouth. <laughs> it's fantastic. Is this, a, is this a different company than what you've been previously drinking? Yes. I did a couple of shows in Indiana Whiskey over the years, and another DIY comedy type name DIY comedy out of South Bend run by my buddy Max Tidy has been doing some outdoor shows up in South Bend where we go up in the loading dock and everybody is arranged out there and it sounds like a nightmare but it was a blast uh, everybody had a great set everybody had a good time and they were selling the uh, the whiskey here because it's at a distillery which is the most on-brand kind of show I can do I feel like you switched brands because you asked for, what, three or four weeks in a row for a sponsorship, and they didn't get it to you. I feel like this is a spurned oh, lover. Oh, no, no, I still have uh, whiskey from Starlight Distillery in the closet. It's delicious. Oh, yeah. I have been really enjoying the Indiana Whiskey Company right now. And life is good, so you haven't had a reason to go uh, to go Starlight yet. It's true. It may still happen. We're going to be talking NASCAR at the end of this episode. Rob, how are you, buddy? On mute. Um, get myself <laughs> off there. I'm doing well. Happy to see everybody. I look forward to Thursdays. I do too. I thought that you were just like, I thought you were just in character of, nah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to speak yet. You don't need to know how the fuck I'm doing. Don't worry about how the fuck I'm doing. I'm here. You're too close. No, that's me. That's social media. <laughs> Finch, how Doesn't are you work on a podcast. Oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I got to hang out all day with my kids. 
uh, and my wife. And so life is good. I haven't had to get drunk yet. Thanks uh, for asking. And uh, you still don't have a job. He doesn't nope, work. Still, he does not work. Do not ask him about his job. He does not work. Nope, not a job in the uh, in the world. The only thing that's working on me is the hard ways on the come out. Is a what? The hard ways on the come out that are working. It's a craps joke. Sorry, I went to casino today. You went to casino today? How was that? Uh, you know, everybody had to wear a mask, and it wasn't super crowded. And they cleaned the seats after you got done at the table. Uh, so they sprayed it down with disinfectant. Every time a dealer changed, they would disinfect the the area. Uh, so it was weird and it wasn't quite as smoky as it normally is. And uh, it, it was okay. It'd be hard to see your blackjack cards from six feet away. I, uh, I, I got to jump in here. Finch, how fucking old are you that you spent the day with your kids and also went to a casino? <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. Uh, maybe, maybe I need to uh, uh, elaborate a little bit. I spent half the day with my wife at the casino and then i came home and my wife went somewhere I don't, i'm not sure where she is she's still not home yet and i spent the <laughs> other half of the day with the kids uh and we did stuff and and uh, we went to target you know stuff like that how much money did you lose at the casino i think that might dictate where your wife is right now <laughs> uh it, it was it was enough but it wasn't too much <laughs> it was enough you to, you to be worried about her whereabouts uh, no, her her girlfriend, her that's getting married in a couple months. Her car is here at my house, so I'm sure she's out looking for wedding crap for her for her friend's wedding. Um, I don't know how much she's gonna spend, but whatever. All right, enough about us. Um, whoa, 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 whoa! We just started that off saying a man doesn't have a job, and then just went into this conversation about him losing money at the casino, <laughs> and all of you acting like that's perfectly fine. <laughs> Yeah, Rob, you know the drill. He doesn't have a job. He yeah. doesn't work. Okay, he just he he spends his days six feet away from a dealer at a casino. Uh, all right, now enough about us. We do have a very very special guest joining us. He's gonna be in with us all show. Uh, Mo Alexander, you may know him from season two of Heart of the City on Comedy Central with Kevin Hart. Mo, uh, how are you? How did you get into comedy, and uh, when did you get into comedy? Oh. Good God. How y'all doing? Uh, when did I get into comedy? Long time ago. Uh, April 16th, 1993. Shit, yeah. you have a day. How old were you when you started? 22. 22. Awfully specific. I, I know these dates. They, 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 hold, they hold good memories for me. And also, uh, begin to count down to my tequila addiction. <laughs> <laughs> So does that mean that was the first day you actually performed a type of gig, or I mean, yeah, I know a lot I, of people get no. That was my first actual stand-up stand-up show. I uh, I had been sitting around one night with an ex-girlfriend of mine, watching evening of the improv as you used to do back then, and I was like, I am so much funnier than these idiots I'm watching on TV. <laughs> and she said, put up or shut up. And two weeks later, I, I jumped on stage at the. Uh, Comedy Zone in Memphis, Tennessee, and I've been around the planet since. Yes, yes. So you started in Memphis. Um, how long did it take before you started going on the road? Uh, three years, two and a half, three years, really. Because the first six months, I was just doing open mics, and then six months later, they let me host the open mics. 
And then after a year doing that, I mean, after a whole year that they finally let me start emceeing in the main room. So uh, I was starting to host real shows and, you know, I get little local gigs all around the place. But it wasn't until like the third year in that I uh, just started going places and finally said, screw it, I'm going full time, let's go. And what was the comedy scene in Memphis like when you started out? Uh, there was there was like two or three clubs. We actually had two or three real clubs in the city of Memphis at that time. There was a comedy zone. There was a Laugh Factory. There was a black club called Ain't Esther's. So I was my nights would consist of going over to the comedy zone because I was the one closest to my house. Then if I wanted to really go hang out and see a comic I, I, that I really wanted to see, I'd go over to the Laugh Factory, do a set real quick over there. Then come back to the comedy zone for the open mic session, and then uh, go to work. And on the Friday and Saturday nights, I wasn't at the comedy zone doing actual paid sets. I was uh, working at the black club, Ain't Esther's. Yeah. Uh, did you notice uh, a big difference between like obviously I I mean not notice but what what is the the biggest difference you find between black crowds and white crowds? Um, honestly. It, uh, it's weird. I don't really find a difference. Crowd to crowd, if you're funny, you're funny. You just have to, you, I can't go, it's, okay, now see, you're about to get me in trouble with this next statement, so I don't care. But, <laughs> Be careful, it's 20. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm very serious, because, uh, you know, I will tell people there, there's, there's black shows, and then there's hood shows, and black shows are like every other show. You just gotta be funny. It's a hood show. I cannot do any master physics jokes ever. I know that. <laughs> yeah, but it's the uh, same like comedy zone in Greensboro, North Carolina. God damn, you know that room. I hate that place so much. <laughs> I literally <laughs> stood on stage the last time I was there and said, Do you guys ever notice a lot of comedians stand up here and ask you what the fuck is wrong? And uh, I said, I don't know why they keep booking me here. I said, You never fucking like me. You hate me. First time they started fucking laughing at me, five, six years. Yeah, <laughs> that that crowd is one of the, that's I'm I'm see this this is why I don't this is why I'm never gonna I don't give a fuck about excuse me, so I don't give a damn about comedy right now because I am gonna tell the, <laughs> I'm gonna tell the truth and that's what gets me in trouble all the time. That is one of the dumbest clubs in America. I hate that place so much. The owner is a racist <laughs> piece of shit. Um, <laughs> I call is, but a Paul is a racist piece of shit. I said it on the podcast, Paul. If you want to call me out, do it. I don't give a damn. Tell them about that no dog, no Mexican, no niggas sound you used to have on your door. Go ahead, Paul. Fuck you, Paul. Yeah. Is okay. Paul the one that looks like uh, Paul looks like the? Okay, you remember the episode of Saved by the Bell where Kelly dates the older guy who like uh, like goes out to the club. She finds out he cheats on her later. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? No. <laughs> I asked two and a half black people on Finch about Saved by the Bell. I should have known uh, the territory I was getting into. Um, but no, 100% right. Now, the worst part about Greensboro Comedy Zone is that uh, every Saturday it is uh, $15 to get into Arizona Pete's, which is the awful uh, giant bar in the neck and that shares the parking lot with them. Or for $10, you could go to the comedy show and they'll give you a ticket for Arizona Pete's after the show. So the entire first yep. show, you will just pregame. For all the bros that show up in yep. their trucks. Um, mostly, you started going on the road about three years ago. That's very quick. How long before you started uh, headlining? Two years later. Well, like a year and a half later. Jesus Christ, four and a half years in? Dude, people, uh, 
uh, there's so many people who didn't want to follow me back then because, well, I'm insane and I have fun. That's the problem. And I treat it just like, yes, it's a job. It's just something I love to do. It, it's a job, but at the same time, I want to have fun. So if you want to sit around and bullshit with your 30-year-old material, go ahead. But I'm coming up with heat. So, Brad, that's what happens when you're a good comic. I just want to let that sit there for a second, Fitch. Thank you. <laughs> now, Mo, have you, uh, have you tried to record a special before? Dude, I have my, my – <laughs> Dude, my latest al- my latest album will be number seven. There's one comedy special I have already called the uh, Tequila Dreams that's out of print right now. That's from 2005. I, you know, there's something coming up on Amazon supposedly this month called um, what's it called? Uh, Punching Below the Bible Belt. We did down in Huntsville, Alabama, where he picked like 30 comics that he loves to be evil and let me go and. Let us go wild, and I'm on the very last episode closing out the whole stupid thing, and those people were not ready that night. Now, would they, you say that you've ever had fewer than 30 people at one of your special recordings? I mean, like 22. <laughs> now, hold on, but that's why Finch was laughing as soon as Sam asked that question, because he knew the fucking spot. Have you been already drinking, Dan? Because we haven't even gotten into the hard, deep shit now. Let's talk about racism. Let's go back. Let's re-talk about the riots. <laughs> <laughs> what happened. I may or may not have uh, set up a special recording here on the outskirts of Indianapolis, and we may or may not have uh, sold, uh, you know, uh, all 80 tickets within two weeks. And I, I pay, may or may not have paid a uh, production company $1,500 to come record it. And then we may or may not have only had 27 for some God knows why reason. So that was what that was all about as they're dropping. Dan, I, I expect that from Finch. I did not see that coming from you. I thought you were going to ask a legitimate journalistic question, try to get some good shit, and you, he's rubbing off on you, Dan. Did you at least put him in the front? Oh, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, if you're asking about that, Bo, was there a girl who supposedly was there because she's followed my social media and then yeah. stone-faced me the entire time? Yeah, absolutely there was. Was she right in the middle of the camera angle so there was no way around it? Of course she was. She's there. That's just going to be the whole special. It's just going to be a joke and then focusing on it. So I can download this on CISO? Uh, no, because I have to find a way to play it on 4K. My MacBook. Dan, Dan just got that right there because CISO does not exist anymore. So that's what I was going uh, <laughs> That was my first meeting. <laughs> it's crack. Crackle is still a thing, right? Crackle is still yeah, right. just like LimeWire. Lime oh, God. His new, his new special will be available on BitTorrent. We're in discussions with Napster, so uh, check it out on uh, MySpace. Make sure it's in your top five. Mo, uh, so how did you get uh, how did you get involved with Heart of the City? You know, it's the... Uh, I, 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 it's an audition process. What happened was I, I auditioned the first year, my friend, but I had just gotten out of the hospital and uh, I was still on a walker and to barely do all that stuff. But I auditioned down in Birmingham at the start of, and uh, then they told me they were doing a second year and they wanted me to try out. And I was like, I hate all you people, but fine, I'll try out. And we have supposed, excuse me, this is going to sound, everyone who listens to the podcast is going to think I'm an asshole. I'm okay with that. So, we have about 45 people in Memphis who think they're comedians. 
And so I, we did the we did the audition process, and they picked five of the people they like, um, and I happened to be one of them, and they, it was fun. Uh, I do love that phrase when you say "think they're comedians." I, I'm, I'm sure very I'm very hard on other con- the local comics because they're very they act like they're entitled. Like, why don't you take me on a tour? Do I'm like, why don't you get funny first? Call me later. I'll talk to you then. Uh, we are kidding, <laughs> my friend, because I pissed off half my local scene by starting off a Facebook post with some of you aren't going to like this, but some of you aren't real comedians. Some yeah. of you like the idea of being a comedian more than being a comedian. Yeah, there used to be this guy here when I back, back when I was like six years in who started to do open mic and stuff, and he'd try to be, uh, well, he didn't try to be funny. He'd just go up and say words and try to pose like he was sexy. Cause he had a couple muscles on stage and I'm just like, you need to get off the stage right now before I kill your whole family. I can bash people. I don't care. I mean, I'm very honest. I don't bash. This is why people. I knew that we could safely ask him about that one guy. Which guy? Hold on, Dan. Half of you is stepping on Rob and you can't do that in 2020. I'm sorry. Rob is trying to get a joke in. Rob, go no, ahead. No, no, not a joke. I just got a question okay. because question. like, well, I'm, excited to talk to you um i was telling guys earlier it seemed like when i was leaving the city you were coming there the next week and only heard great things about you oh, did the thanks. memphis comedy scene change at all because i had friends who were in memphis spanky brown was a good friend of mine and they always talked about how the, you had to come with it in memphis was it different in like the late 90s early 2000s no you gotta understand no 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 well here's one thing Spanky Brown was my brother. Rest in peace. He was my brother, okay? Love that man. He, I could call him at 3 o'clock in the morning, tell him the dumbest, most ridiculous premise I'd say I've I, I written. And he could, and I could tell you how funny it was by what he cursed me out with. <laughs> He's like, I go, I'm going, you're going to hell in a, you're going to hell on scholarship, boy. Get the fuck off my phone. I'm like, I love you, sir. Thank you. I'm keeping that one. Uh, you got to understand, man. Coming up in Memphis, we had some talent. We have, we have some talent. Like, but at the time being, when I came up, this I I, I started a little before Spanky. Spanky started in Savannah, but he was from Memphis, and we didn't meet till like the early 2000s. Became best buds. But back in the early like uh, mid 90s, Tony Tone, myself, Prescott Gilliam, all those guys. Uh, uh there's but then there was other scenes that you did that never heard of. There was a guy. There was a oh, what's her name? Oh crap. Uh, there was Rodney Burns. He used to own the Black Club. He used to call himself Super Freak. He was it was a it was a the club in the basement with an overhang. So he would jump off stage from the second floor wearing a Super Freak costume, and the show was just ridiculous. After that, you know, yes, it was. We we did not play. It was all hardcore. It was like, oh, that's nice what you just did. Let me show you what I'm about to do every night on the stage. It was, that's the only reason I'm a good comic because I had good comics to fight up against. I mean, we're all friends. It wasn't like, wasn't like we hated each other. Like, oh, you son of a bitch, that's hilarious. I love you. Keep going. Keep going. Do something harder than that next time. Let's do it. And we always pushed each other to get better. Yeah. That's why I just wanted I just wanted to hear about I always heard about just the Memphis comedy scene. And mm-hmm. when I would hang out with Spanky, he would just talk. He would, like, some of the same names you just named, he would tell me stories about different people. And it just seemed like there was the Nashville comedy scene. But then it was just what was going on with Memphis, and Memphis just seemed to just make you stronger. It was like yeah. iron sharpens iron. When you hit the road, you were ready. You were better than everybody. Yeah, I mean, I, there was no disrespect to Nashville. There was some good comics that came out of there, 
like me and my friend Dale Jones. I, I think some of y'all know Dale. Dale, mm-hmm. Dale, and I started the exact same time. Him in Nashville, and me in Memphis, and we met up. And also, like Spank, have been best boys ever since. Love that boy, and he's one of the most ridiculous human beings on the planet. I can't do what he does on stage because he's just goofy as hell. But we both have nothing but love and respect for each other. But Memphis, I mean, we had some good people to come up. Like, you know, Lester Bibbs was our big idol. He was a big dude when we first came up. He had already made it a little big out there. So we all looked up to him. And uh, he put me on a bunch of shows. And uh, we just had we just had people who were funny on and off stage. And we just made each other get better. Um Guy named T.R. DeGraw used to be, used to be the number one comic in Memphis. Moved to L.A., came back home, kind of defeated. Still funny as hell, but he just, you know, burnt out a little bit. Love him to death. Appreciate it. I know Dan had a question about somebody that we talked about earlier. Oh yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> Mo, we're we're gonna we'll figure out a way to edit this out if you don't want to uh talk about this um, <laughs> who, who are you but, about to make me lose a gig from but di- well, no no trust me uh, nobody worth taking there's a gig there's from. there's no gigs to be lost <laughs> um he'll tell you there probably is uh, okay Dan, stop, go ahead. stop stop i'm gonna say a name now i need you to edit this oh, name he's gonna guess out. it right he's gonna guess it right no, no. oh okay Edit that out. I don't want to start a fight with him. Edit that out. <laughs> Who y'all want me to talk We're about? Live. <laughs> it's live streaming. Oh shit. <laughs> don't worry though, it's just a bunch of plants watching us. That's all. God. All right. Who who you want me to talk about? Dan, go ahead. T- tell me what uh, tell me what you think about Mike Gardner. <laughs> <laughs> I hate y'all so much. I hate y'all so much. Why are you trying to have some black on white crime started here? Stop that shit. Because we need to we need to switch things up in 2020 for a change so Dan stops killing his liver. Jesus Christ. Uh, (laughs) I will say this about Mr. Gardner. The couple gigs I have done with him, I've always gotten paid, made, even though it might have been four or five hours later at three o'clock in the morning via Venmo, but I did get paid. And that's all I'd like to say there. Stop trying to get me in trouble. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. That was a great, great place to go. Here's the I thing. Like, I, I the, don't the have a pregnant pause was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to bash him. I don't know him that well. I know he can be annoying, but I don't know him that well. I'm not going to be bash him. not going to bash him. As I said, I don't know his comedy at all. I have no clue. I heard that one time he told me I couldn't headline his club, but apparently I did. So I don't know very much about Gardner. I just know that, you know, I got paid. I'm uh, sure you've seen some of the comics. That is, so you've seen his comedy. Oh, oh! So he's doing a screech, huh? Tad bit, a little bit. At least, okay. I, I can say, I can, I can, I can, a hundred percent accurately say I've seen it one time with my own eyes. Uh, but I don't know if it was a a pattern or an outlier. Um, and and I say the same thing about Mike. I've never actually, I think, done a technically a show he booked, but he, I've, I just know of. I know of things that he doesn't probably realize I know of, 
and I just know a little bit of the snake in the grass in his uh, in his in his roots. I, so, I understand. I understand. I, I get. That. I worked for him very closely for a long time uh, at his clubs. So offline, we'll talk. Okay, talk to me later, Dan. Talk to me later. We'll talk. Oh, now you want to go offline with it, Dan? Huh? Yeah, Come on. So I'm not. You're not. Look, you are not getting me in trouble, sir. I will bash the owner of a club who I know is openly racist and a piece of shit, Paul. But I'm not saying anything about. <laughs> well, I mean, there I was the time that, that he called Miss Pat the N word and she beat the shit out of him. What? <laughs> so you have the stories. Well, yeah, the I, video of that has been around Dan. longer than me. I expected him to have more or be I, willing to share more. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know this story. Up that story of he called Miss Pat the N word and she beat the shit out of him. Where do you go from there? Can we get Miss Pat on right now? Three one seven number that I don't recognize, so I have to assume that it's Mike and his ears are burning. Is Dan okay? There we go. Okay, well, Dan, let's get that story. No, I, I wasn't there for this one. I heard about he would always trash Miss Pat to me, and I was newly back to the Midwest. I was a new road comic and didn't know any better. So I kind of just ate up whatever he was telling me. And he would trash Miss Pat, and the one interaction that I had had with Miss Pat, I don't know what happened. She didn't exactly present herself terribly well. Now, I have since interacted with her and seen that she can be a delightful person. But that one time, I didn't have a great interaction with her. So hold everything on, he had said kind of made hold sense. On. Real quick, Dan. Hold on real quick. I think Ms. – because Miss Pat, I think, is has never been anything but nice to me. She's always been nothing but kind to me, and I think she's a very sweet person. I think a lot of comics have a problem with Miss Pat because she absolutely shat – on every you know rule you're supposed to have as a comedian when you're coming up through the ranks before you do have some sort of like authority or power. I mean, she would do guest sets that were supposed to be 10 minutes and she would do 20, 25, blow through it, and crowds loved her. And I think a lot of a lot of comics resented that because whereas a lot of comics would have been immediately, you know, never welcome back at a certain club for doing something like that, she was embraced and and rewarded for it. And I just say, you know, I mean, shit, that's just, it's like being mad at an athlete because they have the ability to be an athlete. No, I mean, see, the, the first time I break. ever met her, first time I ever met her, I watched, yeah, she ran the light, but who gives a shit? I run the light all the time. She trashed a kid who it was his first time ever on stage, and then she was heckling comics, and so it just, it wasn't a good first impression. I have since seen that that is not who she is, but it wasn't a good first impression, and Gardner had been talking shit about her forever. And then I heard from multiple other people that they had had some bad blood. And I asked him about it. And he said, oh, yeah, I called the cops on her once because she hit me. I am going to highly recommend that we ask Miss Pat to come on the show to tell her side of the story. I am so fucking on board with that. Absolutely. I want to hear the third hand gardener side of the story. And then I want to get Miss Pat to to just destroy everything. I want to come back for that one. <laughs> so I've never, I've never met or worked with Miss Pat, but she seems like that lady on Harlem Nights that shoots that dude's pinky toe off. Yeah, <laughs> Am I right there? Did you just go heavy set black woman joke there, Finch? Yes, you did. It's 2020, Finch. Did I win? There's riots in the street. Am I wrong? <laughs> Dan is drinking. That's true. I'm wrong yet. 
I don't know. You might be right. Anyway, I like uh, We uh, I, we headlined a fest together uh, two years ago in, uh, in in Greensboro, North Carolina, not the Comedy Zone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Idiot Box had a, a, had a comedy festival. We both headlined there, and I hung out. She was pretty cool with me. I've never, I hadn't ever met, but she knew me exactly. When I walked in. She's like, "Bo Alexander, what the hell are you doing here?" I'm like, "Uh, hey." Well, I also thought when you were talking about uh, uh, racist, horrible people, comedy club owners, you could have been speaking about one of our very own clubs here in Indianapolis. It is a local comedy club named after a snack food or pretzels. Call it pretzels. Yeah, I know that place. Yeah, we all do. Let's. You know what? I was. I will say. I was. Is this might make me a horrible person, but when all the riots were going on in Indy, I was pretty disappointed that. You know, like, because I went and checked. I went and peeped just to see. And uh, I was a little disappointed. They, they stood strong. Uh, as did Nikki Blaine's, which big shout out to Nikki Blaine's. They are finally reopened again. I finally had a Java Mint Corona. I haven't had one in so long. It was amazing. Uh, best spot in Indianapolis, Nikki Blaine's. Go check them out. Just south of the Circle uh, on Meridian Street. It is a great cigar bar. Uh, did they pay us for that? They don't need to, Rob. Uh, I think we edit that out. No, you know what? They they actually they they cut the same check that our other sponsors <laughs> have cut us, which is just our uh, po- our podcast production company and uh, me through you to Landau's company. So yeah, we're all they're all paying the same thing. So I want to talk about comedy is back. I finally ventured out and got to see some comedy for the first time in a long time. Uh, I went to Helium this past weekend. And saw uh, Big J Okerson. I love Big J Okerson. If you go to my Instagram, scroll probably about halfway down, you will see a picture of me, the highest I've ever been in my life. Uh, I had the pleasure of working with Big J at Pretzels uh, the last time he was in town. And not surprisingly, he has now moved on to the to what I think is a better club. And I was so looking forward to it. But I will say uh, it made me a little depressed. Because I haven't gotten to be in front of a live crowd in three months now, I think. And I thought being around comedy and being in that environment was going to, like, really help me quench those withdrawals. And it actually made it worse. It made me want to get on stage even more. So it made me a little depressed. But Big J, amazing show. BT was featuring. Uh, yes. Dion Curry was hosting. It felt like Wait, he was- what? Dion Curry. Oh, okay. Never mind. Never mind. Sorry. It did kind of feel you like. thought Dion Cole? That's what I thought. I'm like, what? That's what I thought. Yeah, okay. Kirk, who is, by the way, he is a he is another uh, a black comic here in Indianapolis. It felt a little bit like Helium was like, okay, we we need to we we need to read the temperature of the room, the temperature of the city. We need to get some who who's the local black comics that are in town and not working. BT Dion. So yeah, we got them. I was like, but it was an amazing show. Everyone was awkwardly sat, though. They did the whole social distancing thing, so you only had, like, you know, mo- no more than uh, two or three at a table, and they were spread out, which, as we all know as comics, is, like, the absolute worst fucking thing is for people to be isolated by themselves on an island sitting in a club because laughter is contagious. Some people are self-conscious of their own laughter and tend to not laugh as hard. And I did notice, I mean, Big J destroys every room he does and he still killed but it was a different type you know what i mean like it had a different feel to it and so because there was only 27 people there yeah that's seriously that's my question how many people were there uh i mean it was it was 
I think pretty close to what they could or were willing to have, which would have been about half the room. So probably a little over a hundred. So okay. more than twenty-seven. Is a hundred more than twenty-seven, Finch? I don't know. Let me check. That is funny. I de- is that why you don't have a job because you can't do math? Uh, so. No, that's why I can afford to go to the casino and not have a job because I can't do math. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, I hope your wife is out is out looking for uh, a strong black man to just teach you a lesson. Uh, so it was a weird wow, like seeing the social distancing in the room. Um, it was a very very strange dynamic. Uh, Mo, what's comedy been like in uh, in Memphis? Man, I have no idea. I haven't left my house. I have done a four Zoom shows. I have not done anything on a stage. I'm, the first couple stage, the first couple Zoom shows, I even wore a mask with those because I'm like, I don't know where you people been. <laughs> <laughs> what are I'm those? Playing, I'm scared like? of comedy clubs right now. You're a bold man, dude. I'm scared of comedy clubs. Like one of my partners cannot be. She's very immune to you know suppressed. So I can't go everywhere. I, I'm very. I wanted to go. I wanted to go see DL down in a down at Zany's last week, and then I heard what happened. I'm like, thank God I did not go to Zany's. What week. happened? What happened? You're kidding me, right? You don't know? No. Oh well, DL passed out on stage in the middle of his act, and then they took him to the hospital, and he tested positive for COVID-19. So yeah, no. What? That, I've been in that green room hundreds of times. The green room is probably about six by twelve or something like that, or eight by twelve. No, that means everybody who even was in that green room needs to get take take time off and get checked real quick because that's just scary. So even if I no, I want to be on stage more than anything right now. I want to get back on stage right now. I have I have canceled everything that I have had been canceled up until the last week of July. And that's supposed to be what I'm supposed to do the entire month in Denver and surrounding area. And I'm not sure if that place is going to be open by that time. They're open now. They're doing the opening thing like the main club over there, the uh, what the comedy works. That's still not open yet. Like all the little breweries are trying to get their thing going back and going slowly coming back. But I just don't know right now. I don't find it safe to be out here. I, I, if I'm if I do go on stage, I'm going to be wearing a mask the entire time. And that's not I'm not even joking. I'm going to wear a mask. Because I know I don't want to project anything on anybody else. And I don't want 300 people looking at me, breathing on me at the same time. And I got some kind of super coronavirus. I don't want that. So if I have to go on stage anytime soon, and I don't care if management don't like it or whatever, I'm wearing a mask because it's not safe yet. Because there's a lot of other people running around America because they're like, I'm tired of being in the house. I don't want to wear a mask. Shut up, put a mask on. So we all go make some money and make you laugh under your mask. I don't need to see your face laugh. Just laugh. I can hear it. I can hear you laughing through the mask. I don't care if it's bubble. Right. Wear a fucking mask. Don't do that shit to us. I'm, I'm doing jokes and I'm not trying to die. If any of, hang on real quick. If any of those said managers are listening to this, I will absolutely come work your club. Mask or no mask, your choice. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, I need the money, and I need to get back on the stage. So uh, send me an email, bradscottcomedy at gmail.com. Rob, go ahead. So, Mo, that, so when you were coming on, that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. We wanted to talk about comedy coming back, especially like in Tennessee, because this was one of the states that lifted restrictions like all the way really fast. And then, like, so we think about it from the standpoint of the crowd. 
and I know you've had some health challenges in your life. You've been open about that in your comedy. Yeah. Like, how was it like, and you touched on a little bit, but from the from a comedian's perspective, how do you feel about it? Like, this is your livelihood. Like, how do you feel affected if you have to make your living? Say, like, a club said, we don't want you to wear a mask, because D.O. didn't even have a mask on. No, because I understand, D. I, I get it, because, you know, he think, I mean, they were like, it's kind of safe now. Maybe we can go back out. But I don't think he, I love D.L. He's a brilliant man, but I just think he made a mistake somewhere. So, because we, here's the problem. Back back in the early 80s, in the, in the late 80s and 90s, everybody was scared of HIV and AIDS. Everybody was scared of that. But though, you could you could tell once somebody had HIV when they dropped 75 pounds in two days. That, oh, something wrong with this person right here. This is Senator Magic. He somehow gained weight. That is true. <laughs> that is true. That that is why he's part of the Illuminati that I don't believe in. Now, uh, think about he's magic. DL, DL, I'm not gonna just, I'm not disrespecting him at all. He made a choice to go up and perform without a mask on. He, and he does a lot of shows, and I mean, uh, when he does a show, it you sweating watching him, because he's working. He is working hard. He's one of the best performers out there. I don't know why he thought he shouldn't wear a mask or what he's doing. What he's that that those people breathing on him is not a thing. Yes, the stage is six feet off the ground, so you're at their, you know, your feet are at their faces. But still, all no, I I in Memphis, the clubs have not opened back up. No bars are open right now. You can go to restaurants, um, a few, few private locations are doing things, and then streaming those videos live. My boy Rob Love is doing that. Uh, my friend Doug is doing that. They're doing the comics are showing up at some venues, and they're streaming live, but they're not doing live shows yet. None of the music bars are open yet. Nashville, those guys are assholes because they're like, uh, well, Kid Rock has a room in Nashville, a club in Nashville. And he was like, we don't need no mask. We ain't social distancing. Come on out. And now like 300 people who partied there got COVID. No. But like if there's someone who needs to catch COVID, it should be a Kid Rock fan. No, yeah, exactly. A Kid Rock fan over any Juggalo any day. That's what I'm talking about. I'm pro-Juggalo. Love the Juggalo. No, seriously, the Juggalos got, look, the Juggalos got on board with Black Lives Matter. They, look, mm -hmm. Look, and COVID. This is the, what? Dan just spit. What is, what's wrong, Dan? What's wrong? He don't normally spit. That's what we're saying. <laughs> the juggle when Black Lives Matter brings together juggalos, witches, the Mormons, Amish, with one black Amish person in the picture, something is wrong with society. When you have those four social groups come together to form a Voltron, and we about to beat your ass. Something is wrong with the world. <laughs> All clowns matter. Juggalos, witches, Mormons, Amish came together and said Black Lives Matter together. They formed the Captain Planet of racial unity right there. <laughs> I actually... one, more, one more question. Yes, sir. Uh, you're right, D.O. Hewley, probably the nicest person I've ever met. Yes, just, just wonderful dude. Real crazy nice. He had an interview about three or four weeks ago where he said he's lost 70% of his income yeah. at, because of it. So I'm wondering, because you said how much he loves comedy. He does. I've seen him just watch comedy shows and not yeah. want to get 
stage just watch. How much of that is love comedy and how much is that like I need to get some some cash for some liquid going again as far as money? Again, Brad Scott comedy at gmail.com. Go ahead, though. <laughs> Probably 60-40, I love comedy. Then I need the money because DL don't need the money. I mean, I don't know what's going through his life, but you know, he's got he's got TV, he's got produced, he's got radio show, he's making money. But people like you and me and and like and Chappelle and DL, D, Chappelle did a special in six days. It was twenty it was twenty seven minutes long, and that wasn't a funny special. It was a poignant special. It needed to be said, but it wasn't funny. You know why he did that? Because he needed to get on stage and get that shit out. Same thing with DL. DL, he is a comedian and an activist, and he wants to get some shit said. Now, if he's just going on and done an album for 14 years ago, be like, okay, he needs some money. But that's not DL. He's going up because he wants, he needs to get on that stage and be part of what's happening. You know, I'm, I'm, I want to be on stage so bad right now saying things about what's happening. Yeah, I can, yeah, I'm not going to, you can't make fun of certain, no. You can make fun of everything if you make it funny. If you can take the fun, find the funny in everything. And since I, since this thing happened, I have found some funny in some, some of the stuff. And I'm ready to get on stage and try it. Uh, but I also know that my part, one of my partners cannot get COVID-19 or she's automatically going to drop dead. I'm not trying to get COVID-19 because I'm pretty strong and I probably could survive it, but I like my lungs as they are right now. I don't want to look like shredded cheese. So, I don't um, care about my lungs, so if you want to book me, bradscottcomedy at gmail.com. <laughs> I actually have a D.L. Ugly story, a great one. So, uh, years, a few years back, uh, probably at least three, four years ago, uh, back when I was uh, heavily involved with a local comedy club based in Indianapolis named after a snack food. Uh, DL was at the club that weekend and I got a club. I got a call from, uh, Annie wise, the, you know, centuries old beast, uh, owner to come in on a Friday afternoon to do a show. I was told with DL Hughley and okay. I like, I'm assuming I'm just going to be opening for him. Right? right. So I get there and it's like, all the, so you know he has the syndicated radio show. Mm-hmm. And so it's all it's like a lot of people from the indie radio show that are part of production people, their families, on air talent, all that stuff. And all the people from this station, it's like they have catered food for them and everything else. And I'm assuming I'm not going to – I've already bo- bored Mo. Oh, there he is. Um, I, <laughs> sorry. sorry. Man, he got a message, I, uh, man. He had to check his message. So I uh, – I asked the guy that's running it when I'm when they want me to go on and because it's like people are mingling through the lobby and in the showroom and then they all come into the showroom and they sit in the seats like a show and DL talks for about 45 minutes just kind of addressing them and thanking them and everything else and the guy about halfway through comes up and goes yeah all right uh as soon as uh DL's done uh I think we'll put you up <laughs> I, go, uh, I don't know if that's such a good idea well then he does a photo op with people so they're walking up to like take photos with them on stage then uh like they go off stage he goes talks about another 15 20 minutes everybody's paying attention and then the guy goes all right you next 
And I swear to God, I'm standing off to the side of the stage. And as DL walks by, he just goes, you got this player? And he fist bumped me. And I want to be like, fuck you, DL. You know, you son of a bitch. You know I don't have this. There's no way in hell. And I, the first thing I said when I got up on stage, I was like, doesn't this seem out of order? Like, uh, I know you guys, you just listen to D.L. Hewley not do comedy for an hour. He just talked to you, and then they throw me up to be the comedy for the night. I was like, the man is a fucking king. How do you follow that? And, uh, yeah, no one listened. Uh, they all just walked out into the lobby, and uh, three people <laughs> But then you I started what? to get trails of people to come back, right? So I had a nice little group of ten, right? And I was focusing on those ten people, and it was going well because the lights were on. I could talk with them. Well, as soon as it started to go a little bit well, someone in the fucking showroom had the idea of like, oh, he's got him. So they turned off those lights and put the spotlight on, and now I couldn't see fucking anybody, and it became the most awkward 10 minutes of my entire life. It was just literally me counting it down like I was Bill Burr in Philadelphia. All right, you know, you know what you did wrong, right? I agreed to show up for that show I wasn't getting paid for. No, no. no. Wait, you didn't get paid for that? <laughs> I, I was supposed to, but I don't know if you've ever dealt with a, uh, a centuries-old mythological creature. Wow. <laughs> I will say this. When I went to the green room... Uh, I, I, I was like my one redemption because I tried to avoid everyone. I don't want to see DL. I don't want to see anybody. But then I forgot my sunglasses. So I went back. I assumed DL already left. I went, popped back into the green room to grab him, and he's there with like everybody else. And they're like, hey, man, great job. And I just started laughing. I go, no, it wasn't. And I <laughs> myself because they go, uh, DL goes, hey, man. Can black people drive in Carmel? I go, yeah, just take a white friend. And they all started dying laughing. I was like, all right, I'm out. That's my time. And I got to- <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think when DL sees me again, he's going to obviously recognize me. Like, that's the guy with that great line. Now, uh, before we get out of here, I do. Yeah, we have one last thing to talk about. NASCAR had a very, very interesting weekend, if you didn't see it. Bubba Wallace, who's been making a lot of headlines, he is. Is he the first? He's not the first black driver, right? I have no idea. No, he's not the first. No, he's not the first. There's an entire documentary. Richard Pryor did a movie about the first black NASCAR driver. I thought you we need to, to know Richard this information. Oh, Rob, just assume Richard Pryor NASCAR fucking film that apparently exists. Look, Rob, I, Rob, I'm sorry. I'm not I, I'm not disrespecting you, Rob. Let me just say this right now. Out of all the black history I have seen and known about, never said, and this time, back in the day doing NASCAR, I would have <laughs> walked out the building right there and they thought black history said was doing NASCAR. It's like, what do you mean? NASCAR? Like, what, what are you going to tell me about Gusto? Just a station engineer who used to fill that white gas tank. What are you about to tell me about? I don't really know this. That's not going to come up. Martin Luther King never said, drive to the left, drive to the left. <laughs> Thank God Almighty, I need you to drive to the left. They didn't do that. Well, I don't need to hear about the history of the black, the old black driver. I don't need to hear about the Charlie Pratt of NASCAR. I don't need to hear about that. Ooh, hey, fun fact. Charlie Pratt actually played Negro League Baseball. I knew that. Got assigned. Well, I didn't know that because you gave us the fun facts, Vince. You obviously did know that. Well, I didn't know that before I learned it when I went to the Negro League baseball 
uh, Hall of Fame, no, the Negro League Baseball Kansas. Museum. Museum, I think it's in Kansas, Kansas City. City. Yeah. Yeah, that the guy who runs that thing is sharp. As, we did a, we did a morning TV show together, and he was dressed to impress at eight o'clock in the morning. We took nice. lots of pictures together. Like I look like that crap, but I need to look. I need you to stand by me just to make <laughs> me look better. That's probably one of my favorite museums, anyway. Uh, I need to go back. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Rob. I just had to make fun of your, uh, your Richard Pryor information. Of hey, if you're gonna make <laughs> if you're gonna make fun of me, you need to be that hilarious when you do it. I didn't. Uh, <laughs> my you know, Rob was a okay. NASCAR fan. Uh, so, Rob, you probably saw this over the weekend. So, Bubba Wallace, who is he's the only black driver right now, though, right? Currently, yeah. yes. Yeah. All so, the rest of them get arrested for being driving too fast in the left lane. <laughs> You're gonna have one black driver in NASCAR. That's all you can have in the town. The rest are pulled over, sir. We need to see your license, your engineering. Is this your weed? Uh, so, <laughs> was he, he's been he was the first guy to really uh, stand up to say we need to get rid of the Confederate flag in NASCAR. I think probably surprisingly to most. NASCAR, not only NASCAR got behind them, but I mean, that wasn't as surprising because they're a corporation and uh, corporations love black people right now. But a lot of the white drivers came forward as well to, to support them. <laughs> then on what was it, Sunday, they found what appeared to be a uh, noose hanging up in his garage. He didn't see it himself, by the way. That's very important. He It was reported to him by uh, official, team officials. And NASCAR immediately looked into it. They handled it really well. They were disgusted by this behavior. They couldn't believe someone would attack their only black driver right now. Uh, and then it turns out on Monday that it may have just been a coincidence and that that noose-like object may have been there for since October. Um, and the FBI says they have evidence, photographic evidence, which seems weird, uh, that it has been there since October and then I believe now even they're saying that they're not sure it wasn't a something that somebody intentionally did. So it's thoughts. Dan, go ahead. Well, I mean, Dan's not black. Finch, he gets to right away. It was a noose. <laughs> like uh, it, it, regardless of the intent behind it when it got there, it was a noose that wasn't just a normal way that people tie a rope. I don't. I'm not going to say that it was put there to intimidate anybody. If it was there before, that's fine, whatever. But it was a noose based on the way it was tied. Like, we can have whatever conversation we want about whether somebody was targeting the driver or any of those other details, but it was absolutely a noose. It was tied in a way to look like it was going to be used to hang someone. 100%. That's correct. And not only was it definitely a noose, uh, I've seen the purported evidence of photographic evidence, and these the knot, the noose, is in the background of photos. It's not like somebody took a picture of it October 13th, 1997, and just took a picture of the knot. Like, it's just in the background. Um, but what I really loved about it was how many people got together behind Bubba Wallace. Uh, especially the whole thing that they did with walking behind him on the track. Um, and there's been reports of, of racist activity uh, among drivers and other teams. And I believe it to be true because I've watched a lot of NASCAR races. I've been to a lot of NASCAR races, and I believe it. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I, you would think somebody would have given him some snaps on the Petro because uh, 
Okay, all right. Hold on. Let me let me say something. First, I'm running out of gas. First of all, why are you going to NASCAR? If you want to watch cars, just get a get, take your, take yourself a case of beer and get one of those lawn chairs and just sit next to the interstate for eight hours. That's all you need. <laughs> I was in the box. The box. The box seats are air conditioned. I don't want to talk to you. Hold on. Let me say this. like the human version of NASCAR. You're right. Look, uh, let me say this. If that wasn't racially motivated, if that wasn't, since there, I'm not saying it was racially targeted towards Mr. Bubba Gump, uh, Wallace, sorry, Bubba Wallace. What I will say is there's somebody in NASCAR practicing for later. That was, like a tra- also that was like a training <laughs> noose. <laughs> but if a the, practice if the, noose. If the clan had their own version of Boy Scouts, they would have the cl- they would have the noose badge. Somebody was practicing for their noose badge if it wasn't directly <laughs> him. Because nobody just sits around and make a noose like, hey, let me try this nut. I got this sailor nut. Hey, I got this face nut. Hey, let me do the noose nut. No one does that. No one makes a noose. No, do you? Does anybody in this in this little group know how to make a noose? Do you know how to make a noose? This is information you should. My career, re- of course, NASCAR. Do not know how to make one, but I know one when I see one, and that right, is a right. noose. You know what, you know what my thing is, my <laughs> thing is with that was they knew about it. Somebody knew that was there. Somebody did that as a joke. They yeah. thought it was funny back in October, and then when everything went down, oh, Bubba Wallace will be here next week. Put him in that stall. That's I'm exactly, saying that's exactly it wasn't done for him, but they knew to put him in that garage. And right. NASCAR jumped on it, and I'm proud of NASCAR. Oh, yes. And I will sit on the side of 465 here in Indianapolis and wear a NASCAR shirt and do what Mo just said, drink beer and not pay to go that, to a NASCAR that's race. That's a sport right there. Sit, on, sit next to the interstate, take a case of beer, you and some friends cheer every time they turn left or somebody cut somebody off. Or really go crazy when you see a wreck. You say, like, woohoo! That's right. <laughs> Especially when they flip upside down. Hell yes. That's my favorite wreck right there. Right. Drives all the time. Brad, what? how many times have you seen Honk and Will drink on the side hey. of the road here in Indy? See? Wait, you're asking me? Yeah. Hey, how many times hey. have I seen what? I don't even need him to honk. Right. Hey, can, you give me one honk those, can you give me one of those balls of that the whiskey you got up there? Absolutely. I need I to try that. Away. All right, I need to try that. He's he's getting ready to leave now. He's got his keys. Uh, Dan, I will shoot you money so we can send him two. All right. Appreciate y'all. Uh, I would say this. I thought it was interesting how uh, everybody was like when when it the news came out that it wasn't possibly directed uh, at Bob. Everybody was like, see, see. It's like, what do you mean, see? The most believable corporation, company, whatever in the world that this would happen at is NASCAR. Yep. Followed closely by what? Walmart? Nah, the NFL. <laughs> no, the NBA. Oh, what? yeah. yeah. Guys, guys, you're ignoring hockey. You're ignoring <laughs> hockey. There's no racist in hockey. They're all Canadian. No one's mentioned golf. <laughs> They can't be racist in golf. The they PGA. can't be in golf anymore. Tiger beat their ass so much. They have a tournament called the Masters. And Tiger oh, has six fuck. and six jackets. There's Rob. He's gone. There's a scholarship. I'm still here. I'm going to refill my glass. You know what I do. 
All right, does anybody have anything else on NASCAR? Because if not, Rob is going to refill his glass uh, for the uh, the final uh, segment here, which uh, we'll wait for Rob to get back. But uh, we'll give you a preview. It's uh, our, our world famous now, Mount Rushmore. Mo, I'm sure you're familiar with Mount Rushmore, a.k.a. a top five. Yep. Um, so what we do is we each contribute ahead to Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore is Brad, top Brad we only got four people today. Uh, Finch... No, we got five. I wasn't counting myself. My fault. I, I don't either, so don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> but we have a top five, and so we are going to go with, like, each person contributes a head. So you get to contribute one head to this uh, Mount Rushmore, and we're going with uh, best movie soundtracks. And uh, does anybody want to go first? Wait, wait, wait. Are we talking about sound- complete soundtrack or, like, a song from a soundtrack? Complete soundtracks. All right, gotcha. Thank you. So you can't do Batman Forever just because Kiss from a Rose was great. That is really scary because I was gonna say that one. Does anybody want to? Does anybody want to go first? <laughs> I'll go first. I'll go All first. right, Finch, go ahead. All right, this was a two CD set. And it was songs that inspired the movie that all all of these songs on the soundtrack weren't necessarily in the movie, but it's a great soundtrack. Uh, it's a soundtrack to Forrest Gump. It's got a lot of hits on it. Very, uh, very popular oh, songs. Those are what? just like 70s and 60s songs. It's like, it's, like, it's like those compilation CDs that you see of infomercial for three in the morning. Yeah, but it was a really good soundtrack. That's the worst option you could have gone with. You need like a song that represents the movie. Like Kiss you don't know that it's the worst he could have gone with because you haven't heard everybody else's ideas yet. But right, I went bad. first to make it easier for you guys, Mo notwithstanding, because he probably actually has something good. Uh, Rob too, uh, Dan too. Uh, so I just figured I'd make it easier for. So what one song would you put as the face on there? Yeah, what's going to be the face of uh, your Forrest Gump soundtrack? I would have put Forrest's face on there. Because it's the Forrest Gump soundtrack. Would you like to give us your soundtrack? Well, I mean, the right answer is Space Jam. Right. Okay. Space Jam is the right answer for a soundtrack. It's the six times platinum soundtrack. But that's all. It's six times platinum. Because every, uh, before they were known as Karen's, Karen bought that album from R. Kelly, I Believe I Can Fly, before he got peed on. Like an eagle. (laughs) <laughs> that's a great song too, but about that that album with multi platinum. Oh yeah, of R. It, Kelly's "I Believe I Can Fly." That's why it was one hundred percent because of R. Kelly. Yeah, you guys yeah, are of, uh, hit them high, hit them low. Well, I hit them high, hit them high was them high. great. That's track five. Hit them low. Now, be real, Coolio, LL Cool J, Method Man. It is so good. By the way, we make other songs they made. We could do higher. Coolio is one of the most underrated rappers of all time episode, I have a feeling, because I have I strong, strong opinions on that. Uh, Mo Rob, uh, I feel since it's 2020, I should offer you guys the chance to go first. Rob? I will go. Um, actually, it was funny because I was going to go with um, James Brown's soundtrack for Little Caesar, which is a great soundtrack. But today is the 36th anniversary of the release of Purple Rain, so I'm going with Purple Rain. Hell yeah! See, that makes me mad because I was gonna go with Purple Rain as well. Oh well, I go, I go with Purple Rain was the movie because because you that 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 soundtrack, you can 
if you don't know, if you're not of a certain age and you don't know every single lyric to that album, something's wrong with your life. Because I got a story real quick. I uh, I was DJing at a bar the day Prince died, and oh. I was just playing. I was playing Purple Rain track one through nine, and I got to about track six. I finished When Doves Cry, and some idiot dude yells, "Play something other than Prince!" And I said, "Hey man, no problem. I got you." And I put on the time. There uh, you go. And then I said, shut the fuck up. And I put Prince back on. <laughs> Prince's Purple Rain is one of the biggest albums ever made. And all the songs, there's not one song that it sucks. Mm-hmm. The, the closest you could come to a song that's not hit worthy, I mean, number one worthy would be uh, Take Me With You. That's, uh, yeah. that, that's, the only, that's the weakest link of a super strong chain. Yeah. Every song on there is ridiculous. Every song is a killer on that album. And yes, if somebody else did take me with you, it would be the strongest song of their career. That's how great that yeah. soundtrack is. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. If he put that on any other album, that would be the number one hit for him. But that album is so strong. So we'd have to put Purple Rain twice, make a double album. And just uh, make it better. It'd be Purple Rain uh, plus the remix album. Purple Rain, <laughs> extra shit we couldn't play. In the album for too long. <laughs> so on so both we, have versions, a, a we also have Prince. Jungle Love and the Bird on there. Dan, what uh, face uh, is going to be a... And... Sorry, what? Sorry, Finch, go ahead. No, it's not funny no more. It wasn't funny to begin with. Dan, what face is going up on Mount Rushmore? Uh, I mean, it's on... I don't want it to be R. Kelly, but it kind of feels like it has to I be. I feel like it should be Coolio. Or Bud's Bone. That'd be less problematic. Wait, we talking about Gangsta's Paradise or which one are you talking about? No, it's ah, hit him hot, hit him hot, hit him hot. Okay, I got, I got you, I got you, I got you. I'm guessing you're putting up uh, Charlie Murphy. One Prince and one Morris Day. There you go. I love Morris. I would love a Mount Rushmore Morris Day on there with Jerome uh-huh. in the background bringing a mirror. I'm listening to Morris's <laughs> audio book right now, and it is so good. Wait, what are you listening to? Morris Day has a book. What? And I'm listening to the audio book right now, and it is great. Uh, Can I tell a Morris Day story? Yeah. So a friend of mine opened up for Morris Day in the time. Oh, and uh, um, in Chicago, House of Blues, some years ago. And so snuck backstage to hang out. First of all, we're walking past. We see the Times dressing room. Me, my friend, and his brother are huge Prince fans. We looked at each other, and it's like our minds linked up at the same time, and we thought about a scene from Purple Rain. And we leaned back in the in the dressing room and said, how's the family? Like from the scene. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. We're going to tell the story. Then we, go to, then we go to the bar. There's a separate bar, VIP bar. So we go in there. And I'm ordering a drink. And I just look to my left and Morris Day is standing right next to me. And he's looking at me. This is Morris freaking Day, who I've idolized him and Prince. I've idolized my time. Prince is my favorite musician. Yep. And so I'm waiting for my drink and he is looking at me. And I turn to him and say, hey, uh, Mr. Day, I'm a huge fan. Just love your music. Always wanted to say that to you. And he looked at me up and down and went, mm-hmm, and turned his back on me. Gary, <laughs> Indiana, which is a lot like Memphis. I'm sitting like, do I go to jail tonight? <laughs> do I fight him for a day? 
and I'm sitting, I'm standing there, I'm getting hot, and this hand comes on my shoulder, and it's Jerome. He saw the whole situation. Jerome puts his hand on my shoulder and goes, calm down, bro. <laughs> and he goes, let me ask you something. If he acted any other way, wouldn't you be a little bit disappointed? And I said, yeah, you're right. And then Jerome grabbed more drinks, invited me to the table. My, one of my friends who I'm there with, him and Jerome do shows to this day together. Yeah. But it was, wanted to punch Morris Day in the back of his head, and Jerome <laughs> saw the whole thing. It was like, if Morris Day acted any other way, wouldn't you be a little disappointed? And I was like, yeah, I would. Right, I would right. be disappointed if Morris Day was an asshole to me. You are the All right, let me take, guy in the world. Let me. Can I tell a story real quick? Please. Yes, and then we need your Mount Rushmore. I'm going to give mine, and then I have got to go. Okay, real. I'm telling it as quick as possible. 1997, Prince was doing his first one of his hit and run tours back then. Okay, the album uh, uh, NPG New Power Solely come out, so he's doing his hit and run tour. I'm in Huntsville, Alabama, at a place called a Comedy Club inside of a Holiday Inn. I'll get there. The club owner's like, hey, Mo, sorry to tell you this. You're not, there's no show tonight. You're still getting paid. But, and I'm like, why is there a show? Oh, Prince is playing across the street. And I'm like, what? 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 what, 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 what Prince is, I mean, it's across the parking lot. It's 300 yards from where I'm standing right there. And he's like, and I, I scream like a girl, like, hey! And he's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. He's like, you're a Prince fan? Yeah. Okay, I'm not supposed to tell anybody this, but I'm telling you because you're my friend. Prince is in the hotel right now using this place as a staging area for the performance. And I'm like, no. I run upstairs, throw my luggage into my room. On my way to my room, I see a wardrobe passing me with his dancer's clothing on the runway. I'm like, holy crap. Holy crap. Prince is really in this building. Prince, that's dancer gear. Prince is really in this building. So me being the person I am, I'm like, Prince is in this building. I scream. You can hear me all through the whole, whole hotel because I scream again. Prince is in this building. I'm a Prince fan. I got a fan where Prince is coming out. I want to see Prince in person this close. So it's a holiday inn. Prince ain't going to walk out the, ho- the, the front door of the holiday inn. It's Prince. He's got to have a back door somewhere. The back door is the exact same place, location as the front door, so it can't be there. There's a side door somewhere in this bitch. I got to find it. <laughs> I, 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 I scout the whole place. I found the sad door, dude. I, I found the sad door. I walk out the sad door. There's a, there is a driveway right there. And I'm like, this is it. This is where Prince is coming out. He's going to be out here. Oh, God. Oh, God. I can't stand here. Prince is uh, security. Security will kill me if I'm standing out there. I'm six foot three and three hundred pounds. He's going to get killed. I can't. Where? Okay. Oh, those bushes. <laughs> Let me hide in those bushes. That's a big ass three-foot-tall pulpberry bush. That's fast. I can stand in there. I am literally taking my fat ass and squeezing it into a topiary bush that's sitting by the driveway where Prince's limousine is going to come in eventually, right? And I squeeze my ass in there. Now, y'all don't know this about me, but I'm afraid of spiders. There are spiders in this bush, and I don't care. I don't care. I am literally fighting off spiders in a bush for 30 minutes. I'm in a bush for 30 minutes, y'all. This is 100% true. 1,000% true. I'm standing in the bush. Finally, the door opens up from the back. And I hear a car to my right side. The, bu- the, the door to my left. I, the door opens up and I hear a car on my right. 
and I looked, and there's a limousine backing in. And I turned back to the door, and the biggest security guard I've ever seen walks out. One. Security guard, one. He looks around. Doesn't see anything crazy other than me hiding in the bush, which he didn't see because I'm very stealthy. So he... (laughs) (laughs) So he walks out. Looks around. Prince walks out. The third, the second security guard walks out after Prince. So it's three people. It's Prince, his big security guard, and yet a bigger security guard after him. So it's like a little weird Oreo cookie. Now, I know to this day that Prince did not see me, but he heard me scream like a 13-year-old girl and a big shaking bush because he came out of <laughs> Okay, so I screamed. The security guard like, what the fuck? Prince looked like, what the fuck? And they start running toward the limousine that is backing in right next to me as I'm getting out. The, I'm trying to get out of the bush at this point in time. I'm like, I'm harmless. Okay, so uh, they, the, okay, first, the first security guard runs to the door, opens the limo door. The second security guard picks Prince up by the, picks Prince up by the shirt collar and his pants. And picks him up and laundry basket him into a limousine and the other one and jumps in on top of Prince. He jumps in on top of Prince and the other guy jumps in like off the curtain. I'm like stepping out of the bush, like I'm a sobless, I'm harmless, sir. I'm just I'm a fan. I'm a fan. And I'm the, the, the limousine takes off. I'm running after the limousine trying to give a picture. Like I'm a, I'm harmless. I am the coolest part about that. I told that to the owner of the club the next day, and he was like, "You stupid." <laughs> Two weeks later, he sent me a picture that did not make it into the newspaper that night because his friend was the photographer the, of the event, and so I got a picture of Prince wearing the white outfit he had on when the bodyguard picked him up and threw him into the limousine. Exactly what you had on that. I have a picture that did not make the paper. I'm just like, yee! So, yeah. That's so awesome. That should have ended our show, but Mo, we need your uh, album, unfortunately. That was a perfect ending right there. And I feel like we're, right now, we're giving too, we're, we're, that, we're that young comic doing the too many tags. I know. After- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just had to tell that, that pretty sure. story. But we do need uh, your album. Okay, my album is a soundtrack as well, but it's also a soundtrack to a movie tour. And since he did Purple Rain, I'm going to have to go Sand of the Time because that is a concert film yeah. and also an amazing album. So I will put two princes on Mount Rushmore. He can have the Purple Rain Prince with the big old purple collar, and I'll have the uh, other prince with just uh, everything else on, you know, all the peach and stuff. That's what I'm talking about, Sand of the Time. If you don't know that album, something is wrong with your life. And I, I've always said I'm not a big fan of what they did to Prince's legacy with his sister taking over because I don't trust that bitch. I think she killed him. But they are releasing like a 13 album version of Sign of the Times in September. Yes. $160. And as soon as I can make some $160, I'm going to get that thing. Because I need that. Game blouses. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) That story is true. I remember when Eddie Murphy told it on Johnny Carson. That story is absolutely true. My uh, my album is uh, it's it's one of the hardest to find soundtracks now. You can't get it on iTunes. Can't get it uh, on even Apple Music or anywhere. I can't find the CD on eBay. 
White Men Can't Jump. That was a fire-ass album. The song White Men Can't Jump is great. Symphony, easy. Uh, if I lose, if I win. Uh, it just, it, I remember as a kid, I, I listened to it constantly. White Men Can't Jump is one of my favorite movies. And uh, that album is phenomenal. And I would actually pay good money if I could fucking get a copy of it. And I'm going to put... Oh, by the way, yeah, we have two Prince heads. We have, uh, uh, Dad, you went with Coolio, right? Yeah, we'll, we'll go with Coolio. And Finch, you went with Forrest Gump? I'm going to go with Rosie Perez's titty. All right. Uh, <laughs> Bro, we have one question for you. If you didn't think this podcast was funny, what? Comedy subjective. God damn it, Dan. You're not Mo. Shut up. Oh. I said Mo. I'm sorry. God. If y'all didn't think this podcast was funny, you can go fuck yourself. All right.